0: What would you do if someone came up to you and said, hey, buddy, you like drugs? I heard you like drugs. Well, I got the drug for you, and they handed you a pill. Would you take it? <laughs> You're like, Jason, we all know you did. We all know. It's a famous story when you took drugs you found it in the mail. Anyways, would you, it's, not important. it's not important what I did. Would you do it? And then we travel to Norway to take a look at the story of a young man who seems to have a pretty cool job. He just rides on an ATV and chases reindeer around. (laughs) That sounds awesome. Sign me up. That sounds great. However, now things have changed. This young man refuses to drive his ATV through the forest, afraid of what may be waiting for him. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. I hope you guys are having tons of fun doing whatever you're doing. You know, yesterday we had a jam-packed first episode. This episode is going to be just as jam-packed. But I want to tell you a little bit more about my fun adventures at the Port Gamble Ghost Conference. But before we get started with that, walking into Dead Rabbit Radio command right now, is one of our newest Patreon supporters. Everyone get on your feet and give it up for yet another one. Woohoo, yeah. <laughs> Wee yeah, jumping around, doing jumping jacks and dead rabbit command, showing off. Yet another one. You're going to be our captain or pilot this episode. If you guys can't support the show through the Patreon financially or any other way, that's fine too. Just help spread the word about Dead Rabbit Radio. That helps out so much. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell everyone you know. Dead Rabbit Radio is your favorite paranormal show. Another reminder, on Thanksgiving, because we're at the beginning of a new season, I'm going to have an episode come out on Thanksgiving. So we'll have an episode, normally I don't. We'll have an episode come out on Thanksgiving, but I'm also going to do a Thanksgiving live stream at 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. They tend to run about an hour and a half, two hours. So even if you can't get there right at 11, you can drop in, it'll be on the YouTube channel. And this time I'm going to use my studio mic for it because usually the Thanksgiving podcast version it sounds terrible because it's like a webcam mic so we're fixing that problem so if you miss it you'll be able to listen to it in high quality on the podcast probably the the day after a day or two after but we'll have a regular episode come out we're gonna have so much fun if you guys can join us but if you can't i totally understand and there was something else i wanted to talk about something else. what was i thinking um thanksgiving live stream I do want to tell you guys more about what happened at the Port Gamble Ghost Conference. There's so much stuff. I, I need to kind of spread it out. One of the coolest things was, and it was it's hard to choose because so much amazing stuff happened there, but I was able to visit the most haunted house in Washington State, which is called the Walker Ames House, and that was really cool. You know, I mean, it's been a long time since I've been in a verified haunted house, but it, that was cool. We got a tour of that place. So much fun. All the connections, all the new people I met, people who came out to see me, to speak. That was fantastic. They're going to get shout outs in their own episodes coming up. But hats off to Pete, Pete Orby, Orbia. Sorry, (laughs) I don't know how to pronounce your last name, but that's kind of normal on this show. Thanks for setting it up. It was fantastic. And we'll tell you more awesome stories. He told me two more stories about fat ghosts in that town we were in. Yet another one. We're going to go ahead and toss you the keys to the Dead Rabbit Dirigible. We're going to leave behind Dead Rabbit Radio Command. Fly us all the way out to Illinois. We're headed out to Illinois. Specifically, we're headed out to the city of Chicago, Illinois. And then in that, there's a suburbs. There's suburbs in Chicago. This place is called Irving Park or the Irving Park community. It's July 24th, 2017. We're walking around Irving Park, we like got like bags of peanuts and stuff, we're throwing them at squirrels, and they're like num, 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 eating them up. And then we're like apples, we're rolling apples to them too. <laughs> they're like, Oh, I'm so full, but you know, it's free apple. Num, num, num. they're eating the apple, we're just watching these we're just watching these squirrels gain weight in front of us. And then we hear a ruckus down the street. Hey. Hey. It's like coming from like a block away, right? It's Chicago, so you knew there was going to be some sort of craziness going on. And we turn and we look, and there's this guy kind of just walking around the neighborhood screaming. That would be upsetting enough if you were just hanging out and all of a sudden a guy started screaming. Now, make that guy, I don't know, 250? Not 200, like it's an old man. He's like, ah, the time machine worked. But I aged myself. No, 250 pound, broad shouldered, pretty thick dude screaming. That makes it a little more alarming, right? If you turned around and it was like a four year old screaming, you're know, like, whatever. But giant guy or, you know, bulky guy screaming, you're a little more alarmed. And he's naked. So <laughs> that all bets are off, right? That's like one of the most terrifying things to see a naked person in a non naked environment. Naked people at home, fine. Naked people at a hospital, (laughs) you probably shouldn't have walked into their room, you should have knocked. Do you know what I mean? There's certain places where you assume you're going to see naked people. Definitely not in the middle of the day on the street. You know something's up. (laughs) You don't need to pull out your phone and check the news, see what's going on in the world. You know things aren't going well because there's a screaming, broad-shouldered, naked man Running around your neighborhood. But to make things even worse. Like, if I saw that, I would immediately just leave the area. I saw uh, a thick, a thick naked, screaming, guy. I'm gone. Like <laughs> They were like, Jason, you didn't even stop to save those people. I was like, yeah, I know. There's a reason for that. Because <laughs> I didn't want to touch that guy. I didn't want to grapple him. His sweaty skin. I'm sorry that those orphans. <laughs> I'm sorry that he broke into that orphanage and set them all on fire. But I didn't want to get sweat on me. I'm leaving. But it's even worse than that. It's even what you're like, Jason, what could be worse than a muscular? Because here's the, the reason why I keep you're like, Jason, just like obsessed with this body type. Here's the thing. If he was six foot three and 150 pounds, then I'm not worried. I'm not concerned. Right. I, I probably still wouldn't wrestle him. But if I had to wrestle him, I'd be like, I could take that dude. I could take that. <laughs> I'm put him on hazmat suit. They're like, Jason, you're wasting time. He's killing orphans. I was like, I still don't want to get sweat on me. But a guy who's bulky, I'm like, oh, you know, like this fight could go either way. <laughs> if I lose, there's a naked man on top of me. I'm not. I'm not even going to take my chances. Guy's running around. He's naked. He's screaming and he's built. He's thick. What could be worse than that? Well, it obviously is worse than that because we're talking about it on Dead Rabbit Radio. He also is bleeding profusely from where his penis used to be. (laughs) Jason, that's why he's screaming. He's screaming in pain. He's a naked guy. Something went wrong. He doesn't have a dick anymore. You you need to go help this guy. You need to go help. <laughs> you're the one pushing me in front. I'm like, no, no, you brought a hazmat suit. It's like, where'd you get that from? You're pushing me in front. Here's the thing. I would feel sympathetic. I feel sympathetic for this guy anyways. But if, so, like, let's say you were walking around your house naked and you're like, hmm, time to make carrots. And you're like chopping carrots. And then the knife slips and you cut your dick off. <laughs> I feel really <laughs> Okay, here's the thing. After I get them laughing... After I get done laughing, I will feel really bad for you. I will drive you to the hospital. That's not what happened. I still feel bad for this guy, but there's an accidental thing <laughs> yet another one. Like seriously, this is the episode I'm on. For listening to your podcast for a long time, I'm on this one. There's a thing where you're you could lose your genitals accidentally, chopping carrots, you know, stuff like that. Playing with an exacto knife, cutting cardboard. And then you cut your dick off. That's not what happened. This guy apparently was on drugs. And he cut it off himself. And now I actually feel even worse for him. Like, that's the worst case scenario. Because then you're not even thinking. He's sitting there. He's on drugs. The police said, this is in the newspaper. It was basically a live leak video. I unfortunately watched the video. It was on New York Post. It's blurred out, but it doesn't doesn't matter. There's a lot of blood, and he's screaming, and he's banging on the gate. It's like this house had this tall fence, or apartment complex had this tall fence, and he's just walking around the street, and you're like, oh, my God. That is my fear with drugs. I don't do drugs, not because I'm straight edge. Not because I have a moral issue with drug use. I think there are drugs that people shouldn't do. Like hardcore stuff, right? Like heroin and crack, fentanyl, trank, stuff like that. But if you're smoking a doobie after work, whatever. I I don't partake in that. I used to when I was in college. I don't partake of that stuff. Whatever. Doesn't matter to me. Smoke away. But this guy, they think he was either smoking synthetic marijuana or possibly LSD. He basically got so agitated, he cut his own dick off and then ran through the streets of the neighborhood. I mean, that's a wake up call, right? That's a wake up call. You might think you live in a nice neighborhood. But when this happens, (laughs) all those illusions have been shattered. Your car could get broken into a couple of times and you go, yeah, but the neighborhood's still pretty nice. When this happens, it's time to put up the for sale sign. Apparently he was high on drugs. He cut off his own penis and started running around the neighborhood. And the police showed up, and they began tasing him, and he wouldn't go down. And more cops showed up, and they tased him a couple more times, and then they took him down. And that is, this is one of those stories that that's all the information we have. We don't know, like, if he ever got it put back on, what he did with it, right? Might have thrown it in a garbage disposal, (laughs) popped it in the microwave. Who knows? We don't (laughs) know. You're all throwing up, you're like, damn it, Jason you are get ready to eat a hot dog. Hey, I've said this before. This is your fault for listening to this podcast while you eat. I take no responsibility for that. Imagine that. Imagine that. I said, you know, smoke a doobie. But, you know, people put... Now they're finding fentanyl in marijuana. People used to put formal... I'm sure they still do this. You put formaldehyde in marijuana. It's toxic, but it also makes people... More addicted to your marijuana because then you go smoke it from someone else. I don't, do people even buy from dealers anymore? It's legal. I know it's not legal in every state, but like when I was a kid, or when I was a young man in my 20s, you, you know, the Ziploc baggies and all that stuff, tail light, put it in your tail light, you get pulled over. None of those tricks work. They'll look in your tail lights, bring the canine unit out and all that stuff. But at the time, put formaldehyde in it, so someone smokes your stuff. <laughs> After their eyeballs are done bleeding and they get out of the ER because their heart is freezing cold, um, they go to another dealer and they smoke, and it just doesn't hit the same. And then they go back to you, and because you put you don't you put a lot of. I'm, uh, first off, I'm not recommending this. I'm not saying you're all taking notes. You're like, what? Oh, I never knew that. You're sitting on a. Wait, did I say formaldehyde? Yeah, yeah, it's formaldehyde. I know other people would talk about putting antifreeze, which I'm sure is way worse for you. <laughs> Either of them are good. I mean, if someone gave you a cup of antifreeze or a cup of formaldehyde and you're like, you pick your poison, literally, you're going to have a bad day either way. But anyway, yeah, a little bit of. Was it formaldehyde? Because where would you get it? Maybe it was antifreeze. Maybe it was antifreeze that they were putting in the weed. But was <laughs> <what's> the point is? <laughs> you're like, Jason, how much of that weed did you smoke? That would explain a lot. You know, that buying weed, is like, ah, does, that, does this have that uh antifreeze in it? Uh, I'm going to Pet Boys. I'm going to AutoZone to buy my own. Just a little dash to make things a little bit better. Anyways, imagine getting a hold of, I mean, obviously, if you're doing acid, I know people who do acid, they say, Jason, it's not that bad. The movies make it worse than it is. But still, like, okay, that might be true 99% of the time, but if 0.01% of the Time you're cutting your penis off and running around a neighborhood. Well, I'm not gonna take my chances. I've never done a hallucinogen like that. But imagine if you did just buy like a joint from someone and you're smoking it, and then you spiral out of control, and then the next thing you know, you're strapped down to a hospital bed. Like you're literally sitting in your living room, you're turning on Netflix, you're gonna watch some movie that you heard a lot about, but you're gonna get high first. And you start smoking this joint. And the next thing you know, you're strapped down to a hospital bed. Like, you're straight up, like, restraints on it. And you're screaming. And you're super dehydrated. And you're very sore in a particular region. Because that's, I mean, that this guy probably has no memory of what happened. It's probably what happened with him. Just bam. Next thing he knows, his penis is gone. There's a little, like, bandage down there. Maybe they found it, maybe they sewed it back on, I don't know. But again, that's kind of a moot point, the fact that he did it in the first place. I'd be like, yeah, it's nice that I got it back, however, it's horrible that I lost it in the first place. Now, here's the thing. This isn't the only story. The reason why I told that one was because of something far more recent and far more terrifying happened. This happened, like, right before, I think it happened right before I went on break. Let me take the, uh, October 22nd, 2023. So, yet another one. Let's go ahead and toss you the hair hang glider we're going to leave behind Illinois. Fly us all the way out to Washington State. And keep us high in the sky. Yeah, this happened, like, right before I went on break. Absolutely nuts. We didn't have time to cover it before the break, but... October 22nd, this is terrifying. That first one is terrifying on a personal level. It's probably more terrifying if you're a dude, right? But October 22nd, 2023, Alaska Airlines Flight 2059 is high up in the sky. This is Alaska Airlines Flight uh, 2059 leaving Everett, Washington. Command tower, do you hear us? <laughs> They're like, yeah, we, we roger, roger you. Yeah, keep going, plane, <laughs> keep going. It's the guy, the air traffic control, the first day of the job. He's like, he turns the other, he's like, shrugs his shoulders. He goes, I don't know what I'm supposed to say. The pilot of flight 2059, yeah, we're headed to uh, San Francisco uh, over. We're just, everything's going fine here. He takes the little walkie-talkie microphone thing and he puts it down. And the captain of the plane's like, yes, everything's going just fine, isn't it? Co-pilot, and the co-pilot's like, yeah, everything's great. And then the captain turns around and goes, what do you think, Joe? And Joe that he's talking to is this guy named Joe Emerson, who's also a pilot. He's 44 years old. He's a pilot. He's married with two young sons. And he's catching a flight from Everett, Washington to San Francisco. But because he's a pilot... I guess they have a little seat called a jump seat where, like, if you work for American Airlines or Alaska Airlines, whatever, this is Alaska Airlines, but most airlines do this. If you work for the airlines, you get free trips everywhere. So you want to go to Singapore for the weekend, you just hop on a plane and they'll take you to Singapore. <laughs> the other passengers are supposed to go to London. They're like, too bad, we're headed to Singapore because this one guy wants to go. You can take planes to basically, I think it's mostly domestic. I don't think you can fly out to Singapore every weekend, but. He's a captain, so he flies planes. They're going to let him sit in the jump seat in the cockpit. Now, I believe there's another jump seat that's out of the cockpit, like if you're just like a stewardess. And then you just kind of sit there, and everyone else is serving drinks. I don't know. Maybe they let stewardesses in the cockpit as well. Who knows? But in, that, in this case, we have Captain Joe Emerson sitting in this jump seat in the cockpit. Sh- sh- Now, Joe's been dealing with some stuff. Joe's been dealing with some stuff. He's been going through a bout of depression. Which you know, sucks. It happens to us all. I've never had a wife and two kids. I imagine you'd get more depressed then. Not like a married with children, Al Bundy type of thing. But I imagine that's very stressful. To have like other people in the house you're responsible for. I don't know. But anyways, he's depressed And, if that's not bad enough, because it can get pretty bad, he also hasn't slept for 40 hours. He's sitting in this plane. He hasn't slept for which would definitely make you depressed. It gives you more time to sit up and think. You're like, oh, my life sucks. But clearly, sleep will put my mind at ease. And then you're just sitting in a chair. Sun's rising and setting. You're like, ah. 40 hours of no sleep. He's depressed. And... This is the problem, man. This is the problem. This is a serious problem. I don't want to preach on the show because, listen, you do you. But we in Oregon, we got a big drug decriminalization thing going on. Washington's pretty much the same thing. And you read the newspaper and they say things like, oh, dude, you need a microdose ketamine? Like that can really help with depression and PTSD. And you know what? It might. It really might. Under proper guidance and care. Hey, you know what? I've heard that you can sit there and you can microdose LSD. It'll get you through the day. It'll make things, you'll be more creative. Fair, right? I'm sure people do feel more creative when they're on acid. In the right... You have to have the right mind going into it. You have to prepare. So I think you guys know where this is going. Joseph... Hasn't slept in 40 hours. He has depression. He said that he had not been on any depression medication. However, for the very first time in his life, I mean, this is, this is just dumb, okay? I, I This is just dumb. I really feel bad for this guy. Because I'm sure he read a couple articles online and thought, wow, this is the answer. For the very first time in his life, before he got on an airplane, After not sleeping for 40 hours, Joseph Emerson took magic mushrooms. He ate mushrooms for the very first time, had no one to advise him on the trip. He just had heard that psychedelics can cure depression or help with depression or help with addiction. And you know what? They might. I see the papers on this stuff. I read the articles as well. Chemotherapy can help you with cancer, but you can't just go, oh, I'm going to <laughs> go do chemo myself. I'm going to go sit in this microwave. I'm just going to build a damn microwave. Like There's steps to get there. Anyways, he didn't do any of that. He just took mushrooms for the very first time in his life, got on a plane. He hadn't slept for 40 hours either. <laughs> I don't think I can say that enough because that'll already, drugs are not, mess with your head. He's sitting in the jump seat of this cockpit. They're up in the sky. And all of a sudden he realizes that he's dreaming. And the only way to wake up is to turn the, the mind of drugs, right? He's sitting there and he realizes I'm dreaming. the only way to wake up is if I activate the fire suppression systems on the engines engines aren't on fire but when you activate that fire suppression system there's a handle for each engine it shuts the engine off I don't know if this was a two engine flight or a four engine flight but (laughs) not a big difference right it'd be bad either way Joe is sitting in the jump seat the pilot the co-pilot are in the plane all of a sudden joe stands up and begins to activate the fire suppression system on one of the engines and they start telling him joe what are you doing and they start having to like fight him they're not punching each other we actually did an episode i'll put that episode in the show notes about the fist fight in that i think it was a fedex jet or a ups jet dude that was a crazy story i'll put that episode in the show notes that was nuts But this one, he's high on shrooms, dude. And he sits there and he's pulling this lever to shut off the engine because he goes, this is where I'm going to wake up. And so the pilots begin wrestling with his hand. They're like trying to force his hand the opposite direction and fly a plane at the same time, mind you. I'm sure the autopilot was on at this point. But they're like, dude, what are you doing? What are you doing? You're going to shut the engines off. And he's trying to do it. And they said they struggled for probably just like 45 seconds a minute. It wasn't even that long. And they kept saying, Joe, get out of here. Get out of here. And then eventually, just a very short period of time, he just walked out of the cockpit. And at that point, he walked up to one of the stewardesses and says, you're going to have to restrain me because something really bad's about to happen. And then the pilots get on the intercom and they go, we're going to have to land the plane. We have to do an emergency landing. So everyone on the plane's like, super concerned, right? You see, like, they said that this guy, Joseph, when he walked out of the cockpit, some of the passengers said he looked dead in his eyes. Like, there was just nothing there, which, again, lack of sleep and tripping on shrooms for the very first time in your life, 30,000 feet in the air. (laughs) Not a great idea, but anyway, so they do have to restrain him because as the plane was coming down, I think they, like, were, like, they were nice restraints. They weren't restraints how you would restrain, like, something you didn't like. They're just like, they're probably just were like, sit down and wrap socks socks around his arms or whatever. Because he was, as the plane was getting ready to descend for the emergency landing at a nearby airport, he tries to open the emergency exit. And then the stewardess is wrestling with him over that. This guy, dude, 44 years old, husband and father of two sons, 83 counts of attempted murder is what he's facing. One for each passenger and and crew. 83 counts of attempted murder. 83 counts of reckless endangerment. And he's telling the police this. He goes, yeah, I don't know what happened. Like, I, I was super depressed and I didn't want to take depression medicine. So I took mushrooms. And they're like, what? And he's like, yeah, that was the first time I ever took mushrooms and i got it in an airplane i would i would be i think probably people who take mushrooms all the time would say i've been taking mushrooms for years i wouldn't want to do it on an airplane that just seems horrible i know a lot of people who do shrooms like to be outside but you have to ask yourself i mean both of these stories the first story you have to ask like what would be worse what would be worse this second story at least had a happy ending i mean for everyone but him and his family it was sad because, you know, I'm reading the news article and it showed a photo outside his house. And they're like, his house is decorated for Halloween. They show, like, a like inflatable ghost and, like, an inflatable pumpkin. And I was like, he's not going to see those... De- he's never going to see those decorations again, man! He's going to be in prison. His best case is he'll cut a deal. Ten years, maybe? He might get out in time to see an inflatable pumpkin a couple Halloweens from now. But it's nuts. It's so sad. Everyone survived. And I'm not, not saying he shouldn't be charged, but... I don't think you should go to prison for life, but it's so sad because he took a drug. That was it. He could have just got on that plane and been super depressed and sleepy, or not sleepy. That would have sucked, too. (laughs) Basically, like, Jason, at that point, he's just suicidal. He's like, "Uh, you know what I mean? And then he goes, oh, this is going to help me. I saw, I read an article in The Guardian about how mushrooms are helping people with depression, and I'm just going to take that. I read the headline, and I didn't read anything else, and I'm going to take mushrooms. Crazy, dude. Crazy. Tossed it all away. I mean, again, I hope he doesn't get life. I don't think he will. He'll probably do five to ten. That would be my guess. But who knows, you know, that he might be able to get off with uh, not thinking correctly. I tell those stories because I thought they were interesting ideas. And I've talked about this before on the show of just snapping, right? The guy who cut his dick off, he might have been, I mean, you know, that could have been his Tuesday. They'd be like, oh, that's Gary. He does this all the time. Just this time, he happened to get caught on video doing that. I don't know where he's finding all of these new penises, but... If you look at the calendar, like, out, he'll be doing that again in about two more days. But we can take a look at this guy's history, and he had nothing like this. <laughs> Generally, if you're a pilot, you don't have a history of trying to crash planes. You're not going to be a pilot anymore. I wanted to tell that story because it's the idea of people snapping. And I wanted to tell that story to lead into tomorrow's episode. Possibly one of the more controversial episodes. I don't think it's a big deal. But I get that people do think it's a big deal. We're going to cover a topic tomorrow that I've had ready to go for probably about a year. It's crazy. It's the same type of setup. It's people just snapping. But the cause may make you think. It also may get this podcast canceled. <laughs> I've been putting it off for a year for a reason. It's not like I want the podcast to end, but I think it's just a fascinating story. We'll take a look at that one tomorrow, possibly the last episode of Dead Rap Radio. Yet another one. I'm going to go ahead and toss you the keys to the Carpenter copter. We're going to say goodbye to this plane and all of its passengers. We hope That his family had a happy Halloween, even though their dad is facing years in prison. I felt bad. I saw the little house. Had some nice decorations. We're leaving behind this airport. Fly us all the way out, too. You know, we don't have time to do the ATV story. Story about the guy on the force with the ATV. So, we're going to have to say that. I can't believe I'm already making... (laughs) I can't believe this usually happens later in the season when... I spent so much time talking about that guy with no penis, which I should have figured that was going to take up the bulk of the podcast. Yet another one. We're flying around the carpenter copter. We're not going to go to Norway. I'm going to tell you a ghost story that I heard. I'll tell you some stuff about the Port Gamble Ghost Conference because don't you're, you're already getting ready to set it off. No, no, no. It's paranormal. It's related. It's not just me giving a tour of the place. I thought I got a very curious comment. From a young lady that could help solve the issue of why there are no fat ghosts. And really just ghosts in general. So yet another one. Go ahead and turn this carpenter copter around. We're not going to go to Norway today. Fly us out to Port Gamble, Washington. And I know you guys aren't interested in a whole overview, right? I wouldn't be either. That's why I'm going to split it up. Over the next couple days, so it's not just a huge info dump, but this was a really interesting ghost story and I heard a lot, right? I went on a ghost tour and I'm talking to people, but one of them, so let me set this up. So I had just given my presentation. Why are there no fat ghosts? And I did an episode on it and the concept is basically if you haven't heard the speech or heard the episode, why do ghosts appear the way they do? Uh, obesity is the second leading cause of preventable death in America. Number one is smoking. It's like 20%, up to 20% of deaths are obesity-related. I mean, it's incredibly high. We should have 20% of ghosts be obese, but it's not even close to that. I think in my research at this point, we've counted four. Timber Kate in Carson City, there's a ghost, there's an overweight ghost in... uh, Iowa Davenport, Iowa. There's one at an unnamed hospital. So that's three. And then when I was at Port Gamble, Pete Orby Orvia, I need to figure out how to pronounce his name. Pete said that there was reports of a heavy set ghost. This was an interesting story too. Let me tell you this one. I'll t- I'll tell a couple of really cool ghost stories that I heard while I was up there, and then we'll kind of. I got some interesting questions about them. There is a. This town is maybe like 10 buildings. The town of Port Gamble is very, very small. The newest house was built in 1919. This was a company town. So there was all sorts of rules about where could... And the company apparently still owns it. It's like a logging company owns this town now. It's beautiful. This town is absolutely beautiful. It has an amazing view of a river or an inlet or something like that. But it's You know, billion dollar property at this point, but all the buildings are historic. New businesses are in them, and it's very, very high end tourist. There's three different shops that teach you how to embroider. It's like one's good enough, and probably I would be fine with zero. There's a general store that is. I mean, it used to be like the city hall, and now it's this massive. Like they have a little diner and all this stuff, and. But what I want to talk about is there's a little place that used to be a gas station. Now it's called Butcher and Baker. It's a posh um, beef and cheese place. And you can buy like muffins and stuff there. I I just went there to buy Coca-Colas. But... Pete was telling, he goes, so that used to be a gas station. So it looks like a gas station. So it's like the big overhang and then like the two pillars in this building. Because you can't knock anything down because it's all historical, right? You just have to build a business. where <laughs> It's going to look like a gas station, no matter what you put in there. It used to be a gas station. Then it became a sign making. I think it had a couple different things, but it was a gas station. At one point, it was a sign making shot." You know, like, you know, you you know what that means. You're making signs, banners and stuff like that. And Pete worked there at that time. And Pete had experienced some paranormal activity, like a, a kind of a heavy file tool flew across the room and grazed his leg. And it slammed into the wall back when he worked there. And he thought that was very odd, obviously, but he goes, it couldn't have fallen off and then flown across the room. And he worked. He said like that had happened to him, and then I think a few other minor things happened to him. But another thing, this was one of the fat ghost sightings. He said was someone else who had worked there, and I don't know if it was a coworker when he was there, or because now it's the butcher and baker place. He goes, there was another report there of a ghost. Uh, people in the shop, workers there, would occasionally see a heavy set man. So, classify as as a uh, fat ghost, right? He's a big, broad-shouldered, but beefy man. And he was standing in this... Like, they'd look over and they'd see him standing in the room with kind of his his back kind of arched back and his stomach kind of sticking out a bit. Looked uncomfortable, right? If you can do that, if you're not driving a car... Right now. Stand up. Here, I'm going to do it right now. I stand up. And Jason, <laughs> we get what you're saying, you moron. You don't actually have to do it. Imagine you're standing up. And you, I want your shoulder blades to lean back. So your stomach's pointing forward. And he's just standing there. And they knew it wasn't an employee. Right? <laughs> it's a big giant ghost. It's a ghost guy. Shocked him, terrified him. Now, Pete didn't see this one, but someone had reported this to him. Now, Pete, he runs the Port Gamble Ghost Conference. He's also what's called the town manager. So he takes care of the town, and he also runs, it seems like, yearly ghost. Things are sort of like from April to November is ghost tours and stuff like that. But he's... Because, you know, so he's really plugged in not just to the paranormal community up there, but the living community up there. There's a lot of people living up there, a lot of posh businesses. And most of the businesses, I'd say all of the businesses, except for the Ghost Conference and the Ghost Tours, center around just rich people driving through the area. It's not a ghost town in that sense. Like, it, the knitting. Really, three knitting shops. And we had a hard time. Me and Sabine, we went up there together because she drove... Um we couldn't even find like a cool spooky sticker. The, the, the town itself is not spooky themed. But anyways, the ghost that was had the shoulder blades kind of back and the stomach kind of jutting out. Pete was able to find a photo of someone who used to work there. Back when it was a gas station, apparently also like a mechanic's shop. And he found a photo of a man holding a tire. Now if you've ever picked up, I've picked up my fair share of tires over the years when something's really that heavy sometimes you will kind of take that angle back with your back you're kind of trying to it's dumb i don't think it's i don't think it's helpful and i definitely don't think it's healthy maybe it is but when you're carrying a heavy load like that and the witness who had seen the ghost was shocked like she goes that's the dude that's the dude who i saw but here's the thing. One, we, he go because I was on the tour, he goes, fat ghost. You got, you got another fat ghost for your research there. He's a great guy. Um, not only that, though, my question is, these are the questions I asked about the hauntings. Where's the tire? Right? If he's making the pose of holding a tire, why isn't he holding the tire? And you go, well, Jason, the tire doesn't have a ghost. But then I go, neither does his clothes. This is the stuff I love about paranormal research. Stuff that I love about paranormal research. And I know you could go, Jason, listen, these stories, they're unverifiable. This is a story that you're probably telling wrong. You heard while you were standing in the rain from somebody. You didn't take any notes. You're going on memory. That's right. Listen, a lot of the stories we cover, that's just the nature of the game, are unverified. And some of them, a lot of them are unverifiable. But that's why I like to go the extra step and go, what would this mean? Why is the ghost making the pose as if they're holding the tire, but they're not holding the tire? To me, that absolutely blows my mind. I kept my mouth shut when Pete was giving the tour and he told us that because I... I understand. I know in real life. I can't, I can't go into the minutia in real life. People people would strap me down to hospital bed. If I was like, you know what I mean? Like, that's what I love about this podcast. And you. Um, listening to it. I find this so fascinating. Where's the tire at? He's making the pose like he's holding a tire. Where is the tire at? He told me another story about what he kind of was joking that it might have been. So there's four fat ghosts. He said at one point he was in the Walker Ames house, which is considered the most haunted house in Washington state. There was some activity of a child. They, they heard a child running through the house and of course there's no children there. Um, he hears a child running through the house. He's there with his ghost hunting group. He goes upstairs and is following the sound of the footsteps. And when he gets to the, this certain bedroom upstairs, he goes. I felt like I hit a linebacker. He goes. I felt like there was a three hundred pound guy just standing between me and whatever was in that room. He goes. I walked right into it. It was just this force that I bounced back against. And then he goes. There's your other. There's your other fat ghost. As we're on this tour, the Walker Ames house is super interesting. He said... I thought this was... I I, I feel bad. I hope that he doesn't mind me quoting all of his stuff. But he said... um, There have been ghost um, shows. Because it's such a famous haunted house in the state of Washington. The ghost shows. He goes... A couple ghost shows have contacted him because he's the town manager. He runs all the ghost tours. About filming in the Walker Ames house. And he's been like, Yeah, sure. You can come out here. You can do this. And he goes... And every time when they start talking to him, they go, tell us about like the horrible stuff here. Tell us about like the evil ghosts. Tell us about all the bad stuff. And he's like, that's not really like this house has spirits in it. But like if you're looking for like insane, like insane asylum ghosts or murder ghosts, like we don't have anything like that here. And he goes, and they always leave. They don't want to even show up in the first place. That's an interesting little tidbit, right? I thought I, like, oh that's kind of interesting. He goes they have wanted to come out, apparently at one point, there was a spirit in the basement known as the bad man. There was this negative entity in the basement, but over time he goes, there have been paranormal groups that have gone down there and mediums and things like that, and they've not exercised him, but they've talked to him about leaving, and the negative energy is gone from the basement now. It's all just ghosts it's not nothing dark or sinister or even mean in there and he goes one of the things I have too is he, he goes I've created safety zones in the house so the staircase is like roped off and there's a blanket like covering it from when you're walking downstairs there's like a sheet covering it and it's roped off and there's another room upstairs I think that's the same and he goes those are no go zones no one can go in there he goes, I have ceded those parts of the house to the ghosts. So they have a place to go. We're all taking ghost tours around this house. We're doing all this stuff. He goes, I've put those areas up. And he goes, if any ghost hunting group or anyone comes over and I catch them on the stairs or in that room, they're gone. They're never coming back. He goes, I'm. it's very interesting because he gave a speech at Seaside's Oregon Ghost Conference and his whole thesis in that speech was ghosts are people too. They all used to be people. It's super interesting. I mean, like you think you're like, oh yeah, of course they used to be people, but just like people, they had they're individuals, right? And you want your own privacy. You're not there to irritate them like a bad ghost hunter. Like show yourself, come out, come out, possess my cameraman. It's like what he's like, possess him here's a knife we can cut off his own piece on camera it's live stream it's so interesting right and it's true like ghosts are people too or you can say ghosts were people too but the fact is they still have their soul which is who we are and why they're in this house why they haven't found their way to the other side i mean there's a million questions about that but we should treat them with respect Fascinating stuff. The reason why, it's funny, I said I didn't have enough time to tell the ATV story. Now i spend more time telling all this stuff. I thought this was super fascinating. All this stuff was great. I just gave my speech, Why Are There No Fat Ghosts? And I'm walking off stage. And there's usually like a 10 minute break in between each presentation. Gives you time to get up, check out the vendors, go to the bathroom, buy some kettle corn. Just done the presentation, Why Are There No Fat Ghosts? Talked about... Do ghosts get to decide what they look like? That's one of the questions. I sit back down after my presentation. Come back to the audience. I sit back down and wait for the next person to go up. This young woman walks over named Dolores. Dolores. And she said, I want to tell you something. And and in fact, I'm compelled to tell you this. She goes, and this is weird because this hasn't happened before. But she goes, I feel like I am being told that you need this. You need this. And I'll be honest. The first thing I thought was she was going to start preaching to me because I've had that happen before. I've had that happen before. People say, I feel compelled. The Holy Spirit is telling me to tell you to find Jesus. I've had that happen to me before. And it was kind of like in my head. And it wasn't like, it's was like I was going to ignore her. I was like, Jesus, where's my kettle corn? Like, obviously, I would have been polite and just listened. Even if it was something like that. But I've had that happen before. And I'm a born-again Christian, so it's not like, I mean, like, <laughs> you're a little too late. I was baptized a long time ago. She comes up to me. and She goes, I feel compelled to tell you something. And I was like, okay. And she said, when I was a kid, there was a little girl ghost in our house and i don't remember the name she gave her the ghost but we'll call her emily she goes there's a little girl ghost in her house we all called her emily she goes we all saw it everyone in the family saw this little girl and what had happened like year i think it was a couple of years before dolores was even born but again i wasn't taking notes you know i'm just kind of like sitting in my chair absorbing this so excuse me if i get some of the details wrong she goes uh a while back i believe before dolores was even born this little girl out in the neighborhood near their house got hit by a car and died and she goes we never knew why the ghost girl decided to stay at our house we weren't related to her we were near the scene but i don't think it was like right in front she goes, we never really knew why she chose to be here. Maybe she just wanted a family. Maybe she just liked us. But she goes, she was here for years. And we would see her from time to time. All of the members of the family would see her. And she goes, she looked like a little girl. She looked just like a normal girl. But she's a ghost. Fast forward a couple years, right? quite a few years. And Dolores is an adult now. And she's in a serious relationship with a real piece of work. Like she goes, this guy was just not good for me. He was not a good man, but I couldn't see it. My family didn't like him, but I liked him. She goes, eventually I broke up with him. She goes, now I'm married to this other guy, this wonderful guy. But she goes, at the time, I thought that this was the guy for me. I couldn't see all this stuff. And he came back one night for to my at my house. I don't know if it was like a gathering or something like that, or just meeting the parents, or he'd met the parents before. I don't know what the circumstances were, but on this particular night... He's spending the night at her family's house, the house she grew up in. And she said that her boyfriend, we'll call him Bob, you know, just this scummy dude. One night, he just begins screaming at the top of his lungs. Screaming, screaming, screaming. And Dolores is like, dude, what in the world is going on? What in the world is going on? And Bob goes, oh my God, I saw the most horrific thing. I saw the most horrific thing, and he said that he saw in the house a girl who looked like she had just been splattered by a car. It was a gory, violent visage of a ghost who died a horrible death. And it terrified Dolores said, what I believe is that Emily appeared to her family as the girl she was, the girl she was in life. She was always that little girl, even though time marched on, that's how she appeared. But she knew what a horrible scumbag Bob was, whether or not the ghost could see the psychic energy coming off of him or... Just had a hunch, right? Maybe the ghost, maybe Emily's like, I don't know. This guy might be okay, but I'm just going to go with my gut instinct. Maybe she saw his aura or whatever. Dolores says I think Emily chose to appear in the most violent, disturbing image the one of a little girl who had been splattered across the concrete to him. She chose that form for him because she didn't want him there. And what's interesting is she's telling me the story is people are kind of shuffling around, buying books and eating kettle corn, all this stuff. And she keep she started off by telling me, I want to tell you something. I feel compelled to tell you something. And then when she's telling me the story, it's so interesting because when she first said it, because it really she's coming up to a stranger who she just the only reason she knows me because I was just on stage she tells me I, I needed to come over here. I need to tell you a story. I felt compelled to. When she gets done with the story, she hesitantly says, She told me to tell you. She told me that you needed to know that they can choose their own forms. Now what I find so fascinating you you see what I so here's the thing. it's an interesting story, just off the the idea of it right like the ghost is horribly disfigured and it i don't i think the ghost is probably normally an uninjured child but then it chose to be this disgusting version of itself but even we're at a ghost conference right she did not come up to me and immediately say emily is telling me right now in my ear to tell you the story even then she was hesitant to tell me It wasn't until she was done with the stories when she said, she's telling me, because there's a big difference, right, between saying, hey, I have a really cool story for you. You want to hear it versus there's a ghost talking to me right now. And it's it's weird because, again, we're all in that paranormal community. I understand she's probably been mocked for paranormal beliefs in the past. It happens to me quite regularly. But I thought it was interesting, even in the presence of other people who are fans of the paranormal, even talking to someone who just gave a very. um, I mean, it's such an odd presentation because the subject matter is so bizarre, but it's presented fairly like factually, as factually as you can prepare a ghost story. It's not like bombastic or anything but anyway so she can obviously tell i believe in ghosts and even then she felt nervous telling me that she had a medium connection she had a psychic connection with this child or maybe to even tell me that emily was in the conference watching the it's i just thought that was interesting too she still felt hesitant she had to wait till she finished the story to tell me that the ghost is talking to her right now saying you need to hear this and it wasn't in a bad way it's not like it was trying to correct me or anything but Fascinating ghost story. I think it kind of fits what we think. I mean, really, before I started studying all this stuff, or I, let me back up. I've been sending this stuff for 30 years. Before I started really doing the podcast and doing the second and third level of digging into these stories, I think I always just figured ghosts were how they died. And now I think we've looked at so many ghost stories together, you and I, that we know that that's not 100% the truth. In fact, it's probably not often the truth. I think most ghosts appear quite normal even though they may die in, in horrific ways or, you know, their body's laying. You know, they have a heart attack in their house and it's not found for two weeks. And when the police, whoever gets called gets there, it's a bloated corpse and the rib cage is jutting out of rotting skin. That's not how the ghost shows up. I mean, you had a heart attack. You You don't show up in tremendous chest pain. Your ghost isn't constantly grabbing its chest and wheezing. But sometimes they do. See, that's the tricky thing. That's the weird part of it. That sometimes they do. Not every ghost appears normal, but not every ghost appears the way that they die. And this could be a tip from a ghost herself saying they get to choose. Why would someone choose to be in the grips of a heart attack as a ghost? I mean, I would imagine they don't know that they're dead yet. Or it's a psychic recording of an event. It's not a true ghost. It's something else. But fascinating stuff. And again, just going to those ghost conferences. Great sense of community. Really interesting. Even in a community like that, she felt hesitant to tell me. There's a ghost telling me this story right now. Or there's a ghost telling me to tell you. So fascinating stuff. Really, really cool. I probably could have told the ATV. I definitely could have looked over how much time I've been recording. I could have told the ATV story in that amount of time, but we'll save it for tomorrow. Fascinating stuff. I hope you liked that little look at the Ghost Conference. Little tidbits I think we'll do throughout the uh, next coming days or weeks. A lot of stuff happened. But Radio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. TikTok is at Radio dead rabbit radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy true crime podcast you don't have to listen to it every day but i'm glad you listened to it today